There is more. That is the series that we are in, and I want you to say it. I've got some help with me this morning. We're going to say it together. Say it with me. There is more. Come on, stare up at your ceiling. Get your kids to say it with you. Engage everybody in your living room. Maybe you're in your car listening, and there are people next to you at the red light. Roll down your window and declare one more time, there is more. Some of you might need to put it in the chat box just to wake yourself up. Maybe you need to log in. Go in and fill out a prayer card, a connect card at unischurch.com, and just let us know that you believe there is more. There's something to the confession. There's something to the declaration. Last week, we ended with Jesus on the cross declaring in a voice of declaration It is finished. The essence of that being that Jesus wasn't bound by the beginning, the end, or anything in between. For him, he's the same yesterday, today, and even into forever. We believe in this series that if Jesus could reveal himself to over 500 people at one time in 40 days after the resurrection... These people weren't even seeking him. They weren't even looking for him. And yet he revealed himself to them. How much more will he reveal himself to us if we will seek him? The Bible makes a promise that if we will seek him, we will find him when we seek him with all of our heart. Hey, I want to open this morning Just on a note of gratitude, number one, I want to say thank you to some teams full of people. You can't see them, but they make us look incredible. Our production and media team, our worship team, our children's team, our student ministry team, our staff, our sound, our every individual that is behind the scenes right now. They are helping us produce the gospel unlike we've ever been able to as a church. And we've got them behind cameras right now. We've got them in the back room right now. We've got them in the sound booth right now. I am very grateful for teams full of people on a weekly basis that have made us better because we really believe that there is more for this church, for this city, for this state, and for you and your family. I want to say thank you. I want to take a moment and say thank you to all of those who support the ministry here at New Hope in Eunice. I'm very grateful for your continued generosity. I'm very grateful for the smallest gift to the largest gift. I'm grateful for your obedience Because of you and your obedience, we've been able to upgrade some things online. And again, we are producing the gospel. We've been able to upgrade some things in-house from a production and sound standpoint that have allowed us to produce the gospel at a level that we've never produced the gospel before. And we would not be able to do that if it were not for your continued obedience in the area of generosity. 
We spread 20,000 eggs this Easter from Ville Platte to Iota and everywhere in between. We had a ton of smiling faces because you give. We sent a check to the Eunice Food Bank to help replenish the food for the families that are going by and going through there on a higher occasion than even normal right now because you give. We were able to purchase laundry baskets full of thank yous to our healthcare professionals and our first responders this past week because you give. We were able to purchase meals and prepare meals and deliver meals to multiple departments over the last several days because you give. We're able to send out lawn crews and do a miniature serve day until some of the restrictions lift on how many people we can have where. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your continued obedience. I hope I really hope with all of my heart that this comes straight into the, through the camera and into your living room or wherever you're listening from. I sincerely, as the pastor of this church, am extremely grateful for those who are considering giving, for those who are learning how to give, and those who continue to give. I want to invite you to take your Bible this morning and turn to Luke chapter 24. I'm going to be reading predominantly from the English Standard Version. We're going to look at the resurrection story. We're going to look at these two men who were on a road to Emmaus. We can see this story specifically in Luke chapter 24. We see it alluded to in Mark chapter 16, which I will open. But we see the gospel resurrection in both Matthew 28 and John chapter 20. Over the last few days... Um, I don't know how this works for you, but in, but in our house, at times, it gets a little, it gets a little cramped. Just, so, just like, just a little too much of the same people for a little too long. And so the other day, um, she didn't know I was going to tell this story, so I can't go too far in the details because I have to go home. And, uh, but, but the other day, I, I, just, I just took my wife by the hand, and, and I put the, the leash on the dog, and I said, hey, baby, let's take a walk. Let's take a walk. I want to preach to you today about a time that Jesus came up to two people, and he said, let's take a walk. They were just going down the road, and and Jesus came up and entered into their conversation. I, I remember times um, in my former attempted athlete days um, that, that when I would get really mad, which happened often because I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a little bit of an emotionally driven individual. Um, when I would get really mad, I, I would have a coach, uh, maybe even my stepdad or, or my dad would come up to the dugout and, and there were times I, I remember specifically that, that one of them was like, hey, let's take a walk. And, and one of two things would happen whenever I would go to take that walk. Um, number one, I would clear my own head or number two, they would clear my head for me. And one of those two things was about to happen. There was a purpose in taking that walk. This morning, we're going to examine the purpose of Jesus coming into the scene and taking a walk with these two disciples. Mark chapter 16, verse 12 says it this way. After these things, 
And we'll look more into the resurrection. The, the things that are in reference here are, is when Mary Magdalene and, and the other women went to the tomb and found the tomb empty. And the Bible says in Mark 16, 12, after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them. And they were walking into the country. Now, we don't know exactly who these people were. We know that one of them was named Cleopas. We will read about him in just a second. But we weren't sure. We're not sure who the other person is because the Bible doesn't say. We actually don't even know the gender of the other person. Uh, most scholars would just refer to these two people. There's very little said about Cleopas as well. Um, but the scholars would refer to these two people as probably two of not the 12 well, it's 11 now because the whole Judas thing, but you had to go read that on your own because we don't have time to go there right now. But he, they were probably two of the 70 that Jesus would send out. The Bible says that they were walking into the country. They, they were walking away, essentially. We understand that um, it looks like in this story, it appears as though they were a little bit discouraged at what was going on. They were ready to throw in the towel. They were walking away. They um, kind of a, well, this, this didn't work out. You know, I tried the whole God thing. I gave up some stuff for a little while. I even did what he told me to do. And, you know, it, I guess we'll just leave. I guess we'll just go back to what we were doing because what we are doing didn't work. If you're taking notes this morning, and uh, I hope that you will take notes with me so that you can go back and look at what you learned, not just hope to remember it. Number one, when they went, Jesus came. Even though they were walking away, I want you to notice that Jesus pursued them anyway. Luke chapter 24 verse 15 says, while they were walking, and while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near. He went with them. They were walking away, but Jesus drew near. Again, let me just, I, I gotta say this. If Jesus was willing to reveal himself to people that weren't even looking for him, then how much more Will he reveal himself to us if we seek him, if we go after him, if we draw? The Bible says, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near unto you. Jesus drew himself near, even though they were walking away. And he went with them. <laughs> they just couldn't get away from him. You ever felt like you, you ran from God and then you got to, it's like that cartoon where you run away and you run and run and run. And I, I don't know, I saw it on the, the movie with the balloons and the old man and the dog up. It's called Up. But if you have kids, then you know what, exactly what, you knew what I was talking about before I knew what I was talking about. If you don't, then it's a great movie. Probably got time. You may as well watch it. So it's the little old man. He was running from the dog and he's running from the kid. And, and he, he got up the side of a mountain and over a hill and through the bushes. And then he got to the other side. He's like, oh, this is good enough. And there's a dog sitting there with ball that he had thrown trying to get him to go away. It's very similar to what these people experience right here. They're walking away. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up anyway. Verse 16 says, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, 
one version of scripture actually says that God kept them from recognizing him. I found one commentary, and, uh, and I'm sure there's others, but there are some versions of scripture here where we don't really know that God didn't allow, you know, do we do? We don't know if Jesus disguised himself or if they were just so distraught that they weren't in their right mind. But we also do know for sure that in John chapter 20 and John chapter 21, that the people that should have recognized Jesus for whatever reason in his resurrected form initially did not recognize him. In John chapter 20, Mary, the Bible says she, she didn't suppose, she supposed that he was the gardener. And then she turned and exclaimed unto him. So it, it's as if she wasn't really looking, but she was so distraught and so distracted that she didn't recognize an extremely familiar voice. The Bible says that the disciples were back out on the sea and they were fishing. It's the very same scene, and I don't want to preach it too much because I want to go there before the end of this series, but Jesus was on the beach and they did not recognize him. We don't know why they didn't recognize him, my mind went to like trying to calm down a, a child whenever they get in the, I don't know if this ever happened to any of you, but on occasion, my children will get in what we call the back of their brain and they get stuck. And I don't want to say any names because they're listening to me more often right now, me being online and them being at home. And then I get home, and they're, and they're mad. I forget I even said it. <laughs> but, but they get in the back of their brain. And I never, I never shook my kid, okay? But I wanted to. Like, I, I, if, if I thought that shook, shooking, shaking them, <laughs> if I thought shaking them would have stirred something up into their memory, they were in the back of their brain. They, just, they were just gone. There was, there was no cognitive uh, firing. There was, there was no calming them down. We don't know why. We just know that they didn't recognize him. Here's the beauty of this moment, that even though you may not recognize him, just as he was doing for them, he'll do for you, he was still revealing himself. To them. You may not recognize him, but he's still revealing himself to you. Verse 17, so Jesus says to them, what is this conversa conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? It's so prim and proper, the way the English Standard Version translate it. I, I read earlier from the Cajun Standard Version, it said, what'd you say? That's what my kids picked up on. Like, I hear them, what'd you say? What you say? Hey, no, what did you say? Like, we're going to say every word in this sentence to the best of our, what you say? What you say? You? Yeah? Or no? Okay. Like, you answered your own question. I don't even know what to answer right now. In, in the English standard, it says, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other? And, and they stood still. Watch this. The Bible said they stood still looking sad. Looking sad. Now, I know this is a play on words. Um. But I just want to challenge you, as I challenge myself, and, and you got to remember that most of the time when I'm preaching to you, I, I'm really preaching from me, and the Holy Spirit is helping me, but 
But most of the time, I'm just sharing what God is giving. And we're all in this thing together. But you need to understand that it is really hard to see Jesus when you're looking sad. When you look sad, it's hard to look at Jesus at the same time. And you've got to choose where you're going to look. And that choice is still in your hands. Despite the circumstance, despite the situation, remember last week we said that if our Savior wasn't bound by circumstance, our salvation wasn't bound by circumstance, and when we're in Him and we're saved, if our Savior and salvation is not bound by it, then neither are we. In that moment, they looked sad. Verse 18 says, Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem? Like, who does not know the things that have happened in these days? It was that moment where they became frustrated. Like, you must be the only person that doesn't know. Are you the only person that doesn't know what's going on? Where have you been? Are you living under a rock? It's very similar to the times where we feel like God doesn't see us. It's very similar to the times where we feel like God doesn't hear us. God, are you even there? Do you even know what's happening right now? Do you understand that things are crashing in our country? Do you understand that conspiracy theorists may be right? <laughs> Do you know what's going on right now? Like, are you watching this? Very similar question that they're asking. Like, where have you been? Where are you? And listen, let me, as a side note, I believe it's okay to, to ask God a question. But I believe we tread on thin ice when we begin to question God. To ask him a question as if he's a father figure because you're like, God, why this? And, and you, you, you ask him that question and, and you pursue him and then you allow him to answer. It's not the same as questioning him. Like, are you even there? What's wrong with you? You know, are, are, you even worth, is, are you even worth my time anymore? So Jesus plays along in verse 19. I love it when God plays along like Adam and the woman in their sin. When he comes into the garden, he's like, where are you? It's a very similar scene right here. Jesus says to them, what things? What's going on? I, I just, I think of a, of a parent and a child or, or maybe like the CEO of a company and, and a lower level employee or a, a high school coach maybe and the, and the teenager. You know, I know I've had some managers and coaches be like, you know what, Chris? You know what? You tell me. You tell me what's going on. Like, you know what? I got time. Let's hear your story. Let's hear from your perspective. I feel like this is what Jesus is doing to these two guys or guy and girl or these disciples on this road. You're like, you know what? Let's hear what you got to say. I don't have anything else to do. I got 39 days left before I'm going home. I, you may as well take one of them. And they said to him, well, it's concerning Jesus of Nazareth. A man who was a prophet. Hold up. Listen, these were two disciples. These were two disciples that had left their country to follow him. These were two, potentially not the 12, but of the 70 that Jesus would send into the cities. They had cast out demons. They had performed miracles. 
They had sacrificed. They were possibly, probably there for the feeding of the 5,000, for the raising of the dead man. And yet now, Jesus is no longer a healer. He's no longer a savior. He's no longer Messiah. Now he's just a man who was a prophet. See, their situation is clouding their security. They no longer even believe he was who he said he was because it didn't work out the way that they thought it would. He was a man who was a prophet. Now watch, then they say, not mighty indeed, and word. Like he did some cool stuff. And he said some great things before God and all people. I want you to notice that they let their situation determine how they saw their Savior. And as God's people, we've got to challenge ourselves. We can't excuse ourselves from this. We have got to make sure that in our mind, in the battle between our ears, that we do not let our situation determine how we see our Savior, but we let our Savior determine how we see our situation. We have to acknowledge that it is our natural tendency to question God when things don't work out. And I want to expose the enemy. And I want to expose my natural tendency as a human that when things don't work out the way that I thought they should, the first thing that I do is not call out to God in prayer, believing that he's still on the throne and he's still on, in control. The first thing that I begin to do is wonder if he's still even there. And I don't let most of the time, I have to coach myself into, I have to speak myself back in according to his word. I have to remind myself that my Savior is not subject to my circumstance, but my circumstance is still subject to my Savior. And who he is has not changed because of what's going on. Verse 20, they continue the story. It was how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him, verse 21. But we had hoped, we hoped, that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped, we had a plan, and yes, besides all this, it's now the third day. Guys, they, they just recognized the resurrection. They just recognized what Jesus prophesied, and yet they're still struggling to believe isn't it funny how we can remember what he said? We can remember the stories in scripture that God would take the least of these like Gideon and then he would remove all of Gideon's army and all of Gideon's weapon and he would send him up against the enemy with some pots and some lights and still win the victory. Isn't it funny how we forget what God's word really means? Whenever we have a moment that needs a miracle. And in this instant, they started looking at their hope over his will. And listen, when I start looking at my hope, I stop seeing why he came. When I get distracted by what I wanted, 
When I get distracted by what I was finding confidence in, what I was finding security in, and I know like these are, there's some real things going on, specifically in South Louisiana, specifically in our economy, specifically in your home, People are getting sick, salaries are being cut, and the way that we were used to living is being challenged. The things that we found comfort in are being stripped away. But I hope that you can remove the hope that you had in those things, and you can replace the hope that we were supposed to have in him from the very beginning all the way to the very end, because when he declared it is finished, he didn't forget about 2020. He didn't forget about you. It's amazing to me all these prophets that have arisen since COVID-19 hit our nation. Where were the prophets before COVID-19 hit our nation? Who was warning us? Well, God was warning us. Jesus told us, in this life there will be tribulation, but fear not. I've already taken care of it. Number two, when days are darkest... Jesus is still the light. When my day is at its darkest, Jesus is still the light. I want you to notice these two disciples, they were walking back to what they knew. They were walking back to what they were used to. Look at verse 22. Moreover, some of the women of our country amazed us. They're telling Jesus the story as if he doesn't already know it because they still don't recognize it as him. The women of our country, company, they amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. Please remember that we just read that they acknowledged that it was already the third day. Like they just confessed. It is now the third day since the things that Jesus was crucified. It's already been three days. He said it was going to be three days. It's been three days. And the women went to the tomb this morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him, they didn't see him. He wasn't even there. Don't know where he was, but he wasn't there. Somebody probably stole him. They stole Jesus. Overwhelmed the Roman guards, not guard, not a couple of guards, but the Roman guard, like a number of Roman guards were standing in front of a tomb that was sealed by a stone. Pretty sure somebody came over the last 72 hours, took those Roman guards out, booed them away, scared them off. They run back to Pilate. Now Jesus is gone. Can't believe it. It's been three days. We went back. He's not there. Now, I don't think that they were country hicks, but that's just how I hear things in my head. Y'all know where I'm from. They didn't see him. (laughs) Guys, he wasn't there because he was already in the next place. See, that shouldn't confound you. That should comfort you. That Jesus is already in your tomorrow. Jesus isn't still stuck back where he was. He already prophesied himself out of that place. Why would he be somewhere that he said he wasn't going to be? He's already in the next moment. 
He knows what we're going on, what we're going through right now, and he's with us and listening, but he's with us in this place and ahead of us in the next place all at the same time. Of course, you didn't find Jesus at the tomb. He wasn't there. Jesus said, nope, I'm not staying right here. I'm moving. I told you I was going to move. America, listen, I, I told you. I told you this was going to happen. I've been prophesying revelation for 2,000 years by one of my last disciples. It's coming. I'm already ahead. But don't you worry. You fear not. Because the tribulation is not the great tribulation. And my Bible still says that we may go through some tribulation, but the saints shall not see the wrath. So I just want to make sure that I'm on the right side when his time and his day are truly revealed. And I want to be pursuing him all the way there. See, when we need a sign to believe, we'll doubt the sign. When I've needed God to say something or do something for me to believe that he was involved in something, then even when he would do it, I would doubt what he did. Don't let, say it this way, don't let your evidence, the tomb is empty, he's not there, become your excuse. Too often, we use a converted lifestyle as an excuse not to believe in God. I can't believe they'd want to sell everything. I can't believe they'd want to give everything. I can't believe they'd want to go anywhere. I can't believe they won't hang out with us anymore. I can't believe they don't do this. I can't believe they won't do that. I can't believe that preacher would ask me for this during this time. I can't believe that preacher wouldn't answer the phone. When God's people are busy doing the work of God, then we shouldn't be confounded. We should be comforted. And we shouldn't use the evidence that God wants to use to reveal himself as an excuse for us not to continue to recognize that he is. Rich young ruler, he had all this stuff, all this evidence of God's goodness, and yet it was the evidence that he used as the excuse not to follow Jesus. Number three, when they were foolish, Jesus was faithful. Verse 25 says, he said to them, oh foolish ones. Now, that sounds harsh because like, if I call you a fool, you're probably not going to like me anymore because <laughs> that's a strong English word. And, and it was a strong Greek word as well, but literally translated, it really just means, oh one without understanding. It, it was like, that child that I was talking about a minute ago, like in the back of their head, they just, they just can't comprehend. Like their cognitive skill is broke. Oh, one without understanding. Oh, foolish ones. Slow of heart. See, faith is always a heart issue. How I feel about something, how I respond to something, how obedient I am in the midst of something. How soon I'm obedient in the midst of something. How humble I am. Whenever somebody on social media disagrees with what I think should happen. How humble I'm not. It's all a heart issue. Oh, slow of heart. See, if you deal with the heart, 
then you can deal with the habits. But if all you ever focus on is the habits and the happenings, then you can fix the happenings and you can fix the habits. Maybe, maybe you can. But you can still have really good habits and some really good things can start to happen and you go to hell with a bad heart because it was the heart that determined whether they did or did not believe that he was who he said he was and he could do what he said he could do. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets, now look, he's, he's pointing out that what you called me a minute ago is not okay. Like there's way more to me than just another man with another prophecy. All the prophets have spoken, verse 26, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? See, what they called confusing, he called comforting. What they called the crucifixion, he's looking to the resurrection. He saw the empty tomb because he left the tomb empty. Christ should suffer. Through suffering, he saves. Through salvation, he sanctifies. He comes out on the other side, brand new, unrecognizable. Should the Christ not suffer these things and enter into his glory, verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Watch, Jesus was not there in that moment like a Bible thumper ready to take somebody out who hasn't been listening. He was not there like an angry Christian who sees the world going to hell in a handbasket and thinks the best thing they can do is tell them all or help them get there sooner. <laughs> no, when they were foolish, Jesus was faithful. You know the best thing you can do no matter how long this thing lasts? Stay faithful. You may not be able to be as proportionally faithful in your finances as you used to be. You may not be able to be as proportionally faithful as somebody else in their physical ability or what they're able to contribute to society at this time, but you can stay faithful to God on his terms to the best of your ability. You don't have to be better than anybody else. You just have to be the best you that God created. And your responsibility in the midst of no matter what is going on is to continue to follow Jesus with all of your heart and be faithful. I'm not saying that if you do that, everything else will fall into place. But what I am saying is if you'll do that, you'll end up in the right place. Be faithful. He interpreted all the scriptures. In other words, he didn't get frustrated. He didn't have a falling out with them. I tell you what, I'm sick of arguing with you. No. I told y'all for three years, you idiot. No, that's not what he said. He stopped. And he was faithful. He was patient. He was loving. He was kind. Took an opportunity to explain the why behind the what. Verse 28, so they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going to keep going. See, when you act like Jesus, people actually want you to be around. When you act like Jesus, people want to be around you. If don't nobody want to be around you, you might not, I'm just saying, maybe acting like somebody besides him. These people are drawn. 
to a genuine and authentic move of God. I'm not saying you won't have rebellion. I'm not saying you won't have persecutors. I'm just saying that when we follow him and we stay faithful, he can actually use us to win the people that do not even currently recognize him. Verse 29, they urged him strongly. In in other words, they pleaded with him, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread. He took them back to the place that they would remember. He did whatever it took to help them recognize. He took the bread and blessed it and broke it. And he gave it to them. Helping them remember that he came for one reason. To seek and to save that which was lost. It's just who he is. The Bible says, verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They weren't even looking for him. And yet they see him. They didn't remember him. And yet he revealed himself. And then as quickly as he came, he gone. (laughs) Because he doesn't want you to stay where you are because he knows where you're going. He doesn't want you to wander around in a wilderness when he's got a promised land on the other side as long as you'll keep following him and stop walking in circles. He vanished from their sight. Number four, final point. When we were oblivious, when we were absolutely oblivious to the fact that Jesus was even working or involved or revealing himself, Jesus overcame. He overcame for us. He overcame in us. Verse 32, they said to each other, did our hearts not burn within us? Oh, now you remember. (laughs) In retrospect, man, we got 2010 vision in retrospect. Did, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Oh, I see it now. I remember the day I had a revelation, not just a recognition. Verse 33, and they rose up out of the ashes, up out of despair, up out of confusion. No matter what their circumstance looked like, no matter what their situation said, no matter what the people in the room around them believed, they stood up in the midst, no matter what was going on. And that same hour, they returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has 
has risen indeed. He did arise and he's still risen and has appeared to Simon. Verse 35, then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. What I'm telling you is I still believe that there is more to this situation. I still believe that there is more to this test. I still believe that there is more to this trial. And if we will follow Jesus and find ourselves faithful, even though the situation wasn't working out the way that we expected it to, then the test, I know it's cliche, but I gotta believe it in the midst of the moment that I need to remember it the most. The test can just turn into a testimony. I'm telling you that when Jesus overcame, we didn't just become overcomers. When Jesus conquered, we became more than conquerors in Christ Jesus our Lord. We became the beneficiary of the body. See, the beneficiary didn't have to go through what the original individual had to go through. The beneficiary is like a bride or like a baby. The beneficiary is like an heir. Pastor Johnny Hunt told me this story after we got off the phone from our Zoom meeting that aired. He was telling me this story of Evander Holyfield. And so I began to look this up and if some of you don't remember because you aren't born and that makes me feel old. So don't put that in the comments, but just hang in here with me for a second. Evander Holyfield in 1990 got into the ring of the Mirage Hotel against Buster Douglas. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You think I'm making up people right now. But those are real people. Buster Douglas had fought a man with a face tattoo, but he didn't have a face tattoo. Then his name's Mike Tyson. He was crazy. And nobody in the world thought Buster Douglas could beat Mike Tyson. And Buster Douglas went in in Tokyo and beat Mike Tyson, won the heavyweight championship of the world. And several months later, he's in the ring in the Mirage Hotel with Evander Holyfield. $32 million on the line. Evander ain't expected to make but about nine. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> he climbs in the ring. In the first round, Buster Douglas looks a little slow. Buster Douglas looked a little heavy. See, he was confident because up to that point, he'd been the champion. But Vander Holyfield gets in the ring, starts popping him. He's dancing around a little bit. In round one, he wins. Second round, very similar. Buster Douglas looks sluggish. Buster Douglas is starting to look a little unstable. Round three, Buster Douglas tries to hit Evander Holyfield with an upper, uppercut. And Evander Holyfield pops him and lays Buster Douglas out. Referee comes over and counts him to 10. In three rounds, Evander Holy, Holyfield becomes the heavyweight champion of the world when the world counted him out. Can I take you back to Genesis for just a minute? Whenever the enemy came into the Garden of Eden and he took back the keys of dominion from God's creation called man. And one man's sin made many people evil. But in 2,000 years ago, Jesus came onto the scene. And in the first round, the enemy had gotten a little bit confident. 
confident. The one that was in the ring with the king of kings began to get a little sluggish and a little slow. And on the first day, people were mourning. And on the second day, they were still wondering. But on the third day, Jesus Christ gave the right hook to the enemy. He purchased back the keys. And just like Evander Holyfield's bride and babies and heirs, now we are joint heirs with Jesus, not just a conqueror, but more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, our Lord. They weren't even looking for him. And he revealed himself to them. How much more will he reveal himself to you? If you would, I want to invite you whenever you're listening, wherever you're listening from, to bow your head and close your eyes. I want you to ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. Lord, help me to seek you. Help me to read your word. Help me to download this YouVersion Bible app and join in on this week's study. We'll post that study in the comments. We'll get it to you. We'll let you know what we're doing as a church. But you got to spend time with him. You got to let him reveal himself to you. You got to begin to learn how to pastor your home, pastor your temple. The church is being spread out right now. It's being stretched out right now. But I just believe in my spirit that the church is going to come back stronger than it's ever been before. Because more people are going to become the church than have ever been before. Jesus, reveal yourself to the saint that's been following you for the last 30 years. Jesus, reveal yourself to the one that has drifted from your presence, from your purpose and from your will. Jesus, reveal yourself to the one who's in the darkest moment. Lord, I pray right now for every person that doesn't know whether they belong to you or not. Every person right now that needs to surrender their life to you and make you Lord of their lives. I lift them up to you. And I invite them right where they're sitting to open up their hands and pray this prayer of confession. It doesn't save you, but it starts your journey of following Jesus and learning to be faithful. It begins your salvation. He wants to forgive you. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the confession of Jesus as Lord. Come on, church, I want to even invite you to pray this prayer with me as we close today. Jesus, forgive me for all the times I didn't recognize you. I didn't listen to you. Forgive me for not noticing for not surrendering, for doing it my way instead of yours. Lord, take my life. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. 
You did it for me. Cleanse me and save me. I confess you as Lord. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, please right now comment in the comment box. Go to EuniceChurch.com. Fill out a connect card. Let us know what God has done and is doing in your life. God bless you and thank you for joining us today. I hope that he reveals himself to you in a mighty way.